following program is brought to you in living color on dailygazette.com or wherever you get your podcast. The Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. I'll speak with Ken Fang of Awful Announcing. We'll go over a variety of uh, media sports topics, including a, a streaming service that's a, a joint venture between ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers uh, Discovery, causing a lot of consternation. Uh, around the country, some of the sports leagues, including uh, the National Football League. So we'll talk about that. Uh, also, we'll be previewing the Union Men's and Women's Hockey Weekend. The men uh, complete their Messer Rink regular season schedule this weekend. Uh, they'll host Harvard at 7 p.m. on Friday. That's also the night that the uh, 2014 National Championship team will be honored. And then the uh, Saturday game against Dartmouth is at 4 o'clock. That's senior day. And the six seniors, uh, Ben Tupker, Billy Eman, and Tyler Watkins, Liam Robertson, Nathan Kelly, and Chad Smedru will be honored. Uh, you'll hear them on the, this uh, podcast. They'll reflect on their time at Union. And you know, for all of them, they did not play in 2021 because of the uh, COVID um, pandemic. And uh, Tupker, Ben Tupker coming over from Cornell after the 2021 season. And I'll talk about his you know, moving over to Union after playing a couple of years at Cornell. And then the women will begin ECAC hockey tournament play for the first time ever. This is the first time that the all 12 teams in the women's uh, league are going to the ECAC hockey tournament. Union is the 11th seed. Uh, they've lost 12 in a row. Not a, way, a great way to close the season. They'll take on uh, six-seeded Yale on Saturday at 3 o'clock. I'll speak with head coach Josh Skiba and players Emily King, Meredith Killian, and Sophie Matsukas. So coming up, we'll talk with Ken Fang of Awful Announcing. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Where do my friends and other students find their voice? We find our voice through the performing arts, along with millions of other high school students. By expressing yourself in a role on stage, through an instrument, or at the debate podium, the performing arts give us freedom to find ourselves, to find our place. The stage is where I can play, perform, and compete with my friends. Performing arts at your school is where creativity meets courage. Encourage the students in your life to find their voice through the performing arts. This message presented by the NFHS, where we encourage all students to play, perform, and compete together. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. Hey, everybody. This is Don Barnes from 38 Special. And you're always rocking into the night when you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Hold on loosely, Ken. Just don't ever let go. 
Welcome back to the podcast. And of course, one of my favorite topics to talk about all here on the podcast is uh, sports uh, broadcast media. It's really uh, grown, has grown over the years, and now with streaming, it's, it's crazy. And uh, we had a lot of topics to talk about. And one person I always like to talk to about sports media, uh, broadcast media, is Ken Fang of Awful Announcing. And Ken joins me now. Ken, welcome back to the podcast. How are things? Oh, good. Uh, good to be talking with you, Ken, as always, and uh, happy to be back on with you. Yeah, I appreciate a few minutes here, and we'd like to, you know, to go over a few things here in the sports media world. I guess the biggest news that came out uh, February 6th is sort of a, it was like a, a media dump at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, but the announcement that ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery were forming a joint venture to, lost, to launch a streaming sports service in, in the United States. Uh, had, did this take everybody by surprise? It did, and it especially took the National Football League by, by surprise because two of the major partners, ESPN and Fox, have two of the major um, packages for the NFL. Of course, uh, the NFC is on Fox, and ESPN is Monday Night Football. And according to what I've, I've heard, I'm sure you've heard too, Ken, is that the NFL didn't like that too much. Yeah. Um, and uh, for those of us who follow sports media and cover it. Um, nobody saw this coming. And usually you hear leaks all the time. People are covering, you know, people like Andrew Marchand, who's used to be at the New York post. And now is at, at the athletic was very good at getting leaks. This was, I mean, give credit to the three companies involved. You have this many companies involved in um, all the people that are the heads of those companies. They didn't leak it. So, um, it came out during Super Bowl week, and uh, it was the, the the timing. I have to say, was very strange. Yeah, um, especially I think you know, we, we know ESPN has had streaming service for a while. We, you know, Warner Bros. Discovery's got the uh, Max, but the, the one network that did not have any sports streaming was Fox. I mean, they were sort of out there on their own without any streaming service. I, I, my feeling is that Fox was desperate to get involved, and they didn't really want to form. Their own venture, and they sort. Of, I think they sort of said until ESPN and Warner Bros. They look, can we get get, get together, get uh, get together on this? And you know what's interesting is that Fox just said, "Hey, look, you guys, if you want to lose your money, go right ahead. But like, exactly, if you want to get a, a an existing platform together, we'll join, and you take the risk." So I, I think that's what uh, Fox has done here. Uh, it, 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 as you mentioned, they really don't have a streaming partner. Um, they use Tubi sometimes, which is something they own, but not to a great extent. Um, so really, if you're going to try and find Fox uh, or any type of streaming, it's kind of it's kind of hard. You have to know where to look. But with ESPN and Max, they're trying to uh, get get their own platforms going. ESPN Plus is well known. Max just started sports. And apparently, from what I've read, no one's going to Max for sports to begin with. So. It, it, it really is, Ken. It's the wild, wild west. And when you have a situation here, when you're getting three companies together, it, it goes to show that perhaps that um, streaming is not all that uh, everyone would thought it was going to be. And we're going to see some probably some smaller players uh, go by the wayside before all is said and done. Yeah, I have ESPN Plus. I have to have it because I have to follow uh, college hockey. They have a ECAC hockey package. So I you know, when right. unions on the road, I mean, that's how I get to watch the games and find out what happens. So, I mean, a lot of this, I think, I worry about what's going to happen with the, the, the college sports like that. Is ESPN or this streaming service going to continue to pick this up? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the one thing that, that was kind of good with ESPN is that, as you mentioned, they cover sports that isn't necessarily going to be shown on the linear ESPN networks. Um, now, what is this going to happen? I mean, I know that we're expecting a, a direct-to-consumer ESPN product. They say it's going to happen in 2025 um, because ESPN wants to find those uh, younger viewers who have don't have, have never really picked up uh, television as a habit, not like uh, the, the older generations. So they're trying to find the audience out there. But again, uh, where is this? What's going to happen to the sports that they cover on ESPN Plus? What's going to be happening with their existing partners? Uh, is the NFL going to be want to be part of this because the NFL has their own streaming platform? So it, it, it's just it, it's all very interesting, Ken. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm sure more things are going to be announced as, they, as uh, we get further and get closer to this announcement and this launch of this product. Or maybe even one of the companies may just drop out. So I don't know. It, 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 it is certainly, like I said, it's the Wild West. Um, nothing is certain. Everything is fluid. And uh, until we see actual signatures and actual agreements... I will actually believe this coming out when it actually happens. Yeah, how do you think this affects uh, Paramount Plus and uh, which is uh, you know, CBS st- stuff and uh, Com- uh, Comcast, which has Peacock and that's NBC? I mean, it seems like I mean they're going to be affected. I think as well. Yeah, I- I- absolutely. I mean, Paramount Plus is a seasonal. If you're going to look at sports, I mean, they have the UEFA Champions League. They have a lot of soccer. They have the NFL, and they also have golf. But most of their uh, streaming exclusives are soccer. So is that going to be enough to attract people? Um, Peacock does have seemingly have a good strategy for sports because, of course, you have the Caitlin Clark and the Big Ten exclusives that they put on there. Most of the Olympics is going to be on there when it comes up from Paris later this year. Um, they also have other, uh, other exclusive programming, uh, Olympic sports there, too, and they also had baseball. I don't know if we're going to be seeing that again this season because I think NBC's um, contract Major League Baseball is done. So it's going to be, um, again, those two companies are out. Um, are we going to see those two companies perhaps say, hey, let's let's do an alliance because ESPN and Fox and uh, Warner Brothers Discovery or whatever they're calling the, their, their um, company nowadays, let's get together because we need to have a hedge against them. So... Um, Will we see an alliance with them or perhaps maybe Paramount decides to say, you know what, I, we give up. We're going to sell to one of you guys. So, um, again, it's 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 one of those situations, Ken, where you need a scorecard and whatever happens today is not going to happen tomorrow. I think we lost Ken there for a second. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break. We'll get him back. Uh, you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast. If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle, and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity from the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Tyler A. McNeil. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott. 
Welcome back to the podcast. We got Ken Fang back here. It's, uh, I think somebody was spying on us, Ken. One of the uh, streaming services <laughs> cut us off there. But uh, yeah, sorry about that. And uh, well, I was going to say before we got cut off there, Fubo TV. Uh, you guys had a story on uh, your website there that they're suing uh, Disney, yeah. Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery related to this uh, launch of the sports streaming joint venture. I mean, is there merit to this lawsuit? Uh, I don't know, but. Um if they find a judge that's sympathetic with their cause, you just never know. I mean, Fubo is just one of those things. They know that if the streaming service gets together and gets is it successful and launches, uh, there's going to be less viewers for them. Uh, they're trying to uh, market themselves as a sports alternative and an alternative to cable, and they have a lot of sports networks, but um, they still don't have the uh, – the, the TNT sports, they don't have TBS, they don't have uh, TNT, and they don't have True TV. So when it comes time for the NCAA tournament and also for NBA and also some Major League Baseball games, Fubo is desperately lacking that. So yeah. um, I don't know if this is going to be success- successful or maybe it's a way for them to try to get the uh, those TNT networks. But um, right now, it, it, I think it's, it, it looks like a, a desperation on Fubo's part. Yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about some NFL media. We, you know, we mentioned the NFL and the streaming services. But uh, I, you wrote something about Tony Romo's uh, performance during the Super Bowl. Uh, and I, I wasn't thrilled with Tony Romo, especially at the end of the game after the Chiefs scored the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Yeah. That's a time you just keep your mouth shut. And he's talking all over the celebrations like, Tony, shut up. Uh, I mean, Tony. He was, I mean, he was the, go- he, the the golden boy when he first broke in. Everybody loved him. Now it's like people want to get rid of him. And I, I think maybe it's CBS has got to look look at him and say, well, we got to do something with him. We were paying him all this money, but he's not a number one analyst anymore. Yeah, he's you know, they, unfortunately, they're kind of stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place. They paid him that much money. The, the, they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to eat the bullet on this one, unless they unless he's unless he really decides to really say something that's out, outlandish to make him uh, get fired. But um, the fact is, is that I thought he was having a good game until overtime. And then he mentions that when San, if San Francisco scored the, the, the touchdown that they, they had the first possession, it would have won the game. Now, this happened right after um, Gene Sterator and Jim Nash explained the new overtime rule. So and you were in the booth in there as well. So yeah. what what were you thinking? What were you doing? And then also you you mentioned at the at the end of the game when um, the winning score, uh, when Mikael Hardison made that made that great catch in in the end zone to, to end the game, Jim Nance with jackpot Kansas City. And right then you got to know to be quiet. You just gotta let that moment breathe. But instead, um, Tony Romo went on a two minute rant there uh, and said a lot of things, which was ridiculous. But um, yeah, I, I think CBS has to has to think again. They, uh, we wrote about the fact that the season before, the CBS apparently did an intervention with him, which quickly was denied. Um, but I, I I think that right now Tony Romo has got to find a way to get back to those days when he was a beloved um, beloved analyst because uh, when he came in, he was like gangbusters. So, but. I think he's kind of happy that uh, when Tom Brady comes in, it's going to take a little bit of heat off of him because now the attention goes to him. But, yeah, Tony Romo has got to, uh, you know, find a way. And, and he's got to do a little bit more coaching on CBS's part um, 
He's going to be David Burson, who takes over for Sean McManus as chairman of CBS Sports. He's going to be head his headache now, and no longer Sean McManus, who retires after the um, Masters in April. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you about Sean McManus just in a little bit here. But uh, you mentioned uh, Tom Brady. He's going to be joining uh, uh, Kevin Burkhardt in the booth and. Sort of leaves. I feel bad for Greg Olson. With he's he's done a great job in the two years he was a lead analyst, and I I, I don't know why they can't do a three man booth there, because uh, I, I why shove uh, Greg Olson out? Um, I mean, if CBS uh, Fox wants to let him go on this contract, he can go to CBS and that you know put him number one analyst over there over Romo. So you know, what do you see? What do you see that that situation over at Fox? You know, uh, according to what I've heard, is that Olson's going to stay and just um, hope that something opens up down the line because Brady just seems to be doing so much, and maybe he'll get bored with the uh, situation. He, he'll get bored with the um, gig. If I'm NBC though, and knowing the fact that Chris Collinsworth, even though he's still on top of his game, um, you know, you already had Mike Tirico replace Al Michaels. I would sign right now. And make a play for Greg Olson, you know, have him do the, have him do a few games, maybe the Peacock game that they're going to have again uh, for the regular season, do a few of those uh, separate, you know, one-off games like Thanksgiving, and then groom him to be the successor to, to Collinsworth. That's what I do, or at least have him in the studio uh, on Football Night in America and then have him ready to go um, uh, when the Collinsworth contract uh, runs out. So that's what I would do. Uh, that's just me, but I'm not running NBC, and NBC just certainly does isn't going to listen to me. But uh, if I'm NBC, that's what I would do. I make a play for Greg Olson and uh, say, "Hey, look, uh, you're we're going to have the Super Bowl coming up after after Fox in a couple of seasons. We can guarantee you at least, you know, you'll be able to be on the 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 primetime of uh, package, the premier primetime package on the NFL, and you know at least you got one playoff game, and sometimes you have two playoff games, and maybe we'll have you do one of those as well. So. Um, we'll just wait and see. I, I, I th- that's what I would do. I mean, um, I, I think that's that would be the the perfect move for him, and he'd be great with Mike Tirico because Tirico is one of those people who can work very well with just about any any partner. But um, it just seems to me that it looks like Fox is going to keep Olsen, and Olsen's going to go to the number two team, which is unfortunate because he's shown that he deserves an, an, uh, the the top job. Of a, of a network and being their top analyst. Yeah, but I guess we were paying Brady the big bucks. Yeah, that's yep. what's going to go. Um, you mentioned Chris Collinsworth. Why do people hate him so much? I don't know. I think he does a great job. Um, I just think it's because he, he does um, he does talk a lot. I will say that. Um, and sometimes he does overgush at, at times. But overall, I just think he does a fantastic job. When it comes to X's and O's, he's right on it. He does his homework. Um, it's not like Phil Sims when he when um, all of a sudden he just seemed to lose it, um, at least in my opinion. But I just think that uh, I think because he is such a high profile gig and the only game on on Sunday night, I think people just think that he's just terrible or people think that they can do a better job than he can. It's it's Ken, it's like people think they can manage a baseball team. Yeah. For some reason, they think they can manage a game. They can't. And they, I like to see them go in there and say, hey, look. Do your football analysis and uh, see if you can make a coaching point within 30 seconds because it seems to me Connellsworth knows how to do it and he does it well. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 nuts the hate he gets on social media. Uh, the pregame show, particularly the uh, NFL today, I mean, they're gonna, we may see a lot of changes there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, contracts are up. Uh, yeah, James, obviously, James Brown will be back. But how do you see that uh, shaping up uh, going into uh, next season? Well, the, there's three people who are whose contracts are up. That's Bill Cower, the former the Hall of Fame coach from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got Phil Sims and Boomer Esiason. Um, I see at least two of those three going by the wayside. And what's interesting too, uh, Ken, is that uh, we found out that Ryan Clark. Uh, of ESPN is free. Yeah. So if I'm CBS and you want to get a little bit younger, I mean, you got JJ Watt already, and you're going to have Nate Burleson there, and maybe maybe bringing Kyle Brandt of Good Morning Football of NFL of NFL Network, maybe get Ryan Clark to join that gang there, and uh, you you've automatically become younger, and you've already and you've replaced those three guys that you feel um, are, are getting older now. Um, I'd like, I think that Phil and Boomer get, do a great job in the studio, uh, even though I said that Phil, I think Phil lost it on games, but I think he does well in the studio. A, a little bit of Phil goes a long way. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's CBS, and uh, you, they want to get younger, and their, their ratings, of course, are always going to be behind Fox because they're the ASC markets, and they're, they are smaller markets as compared to what Fox has for the uh, Fox NFL Sunday and the NFC package, but... Um, it's one f- way for them to make a splash, and if they can get um, JJ Watt to go full time, and they can get uh, Kyle Brandt from a Good Morning Football, and even Adder Ryan Clark, you've replaced those three guys whose contracts are up, and you've immediately become younger, and maybe you can attract uh, a younger audience. We just have to wait and see what uh, CBS has to uh, announce for us. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year for CBS, that's for sure. And meanwhile, Fox seems like it's going to be status quo again. I mean, they really haven't had many changes yeah. over the years. You know, Jimmy Johnson obviously left to coach the Dolphins for a couple of years. He came back, and you know, uh, Rob Gronkowski's in there. And uh, it seems like they're, the ship is smoothly sailing. But I think there's a time that you know, maybe Bradshaw and – uh, Jimmy want to get off the uh, get off the ship and finally re- you know, re- not to say finally retire, but maybe hang it up. After. I mean, th- I mean they're still good at what they do. But I mean, does Fox have any inkling? As you think they have any inkling as far as maybe replacements down the road? No, I, I haven't heard anything, and I, I keep wondering. I mean, it's like wondering um, if they're when they're going to get younger. Remember that they were the ones that uh, when Ken, you'll remember this, and I, I know probably not many of our listeners do, but. When Fox came in, they said that we're the younger guys. CBS looks aging. We'll come in, and we're going to be the young kids on the, the new kids in the block and have a new attitude. Yeah. Well, they these guys are going to be there, especially Terry, Howie, and Jimmy. Um, as you mentioned, Jimmy uh, left for a couple of seasons, but they're basically have been there. That core has been there for twenty years. They only added Michael Strahan, and uh, you have Gronk there every once in a while. So. I don't see a, a succession plan there at all for Fox. So I don't know. Maybe they're just going to wait until someone kills over on the desk. I have no idea. I mean, you have Kurt Menefee who replaced James Brown, uh, and he does a great job. But I, I, I don't see anybody that could, who could have the, dyna- the, the, uh, the, the dynamics and the, and the chemistry that uh, Howie, uh, Jimmy, and, um, Terry, and yeah. uh, Howie. So I don't, I don't know. I, it, it's interesting. I mean, CBS seems to have thought about this. Fox is not. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Sean McManus. Uh, the job he did at CBS, getting CBS Sports back to where it was, Yeah, he, he came in at a time when they didn't have the NFL and they had lost Major League Baseball. They, they basically had golf and 
college basketball and college football. That was it. How yep. important was it for McManus to get the NFL? It was the AFC package because you know for years when we grew up, it was the NFC on on CBS. But to get that AFC package back uh, to take it away from NBC, how much did that help get the sports department back on track? Oh, it was huge. I mean, I remember reading an article that uh, Richard Sandemir wrote um, about CBS getting the, the NFL back, and McManus felt that he had he was under huge pressure when he came onto the scene in 1990 I think 1996 or 97 yeah. to CBS yep. and then he said that that's that was what he did 24 hours a day I'll give you an interesting story um, when the Patriots were in the AFC championship game I think that this is before Super Bowl 20 uh, 32 or 35 um, this is when they were taking on the Green Bay Packers um, NBC had their crew in Providence to, to cover the AFC championship. And apparently Sean McManus was there trying to schmooze the NFL. Uh, even going back to 96, um, knowing that the negotiations and knowing that uh, the, the NFL contract was going to be coming up, he worked so hard to get that contract. And for him to get the NFL – uh, to keep the status quo for that for many years and now expand on it with soccer and uh, doing a lot more and expanding with CBS Sports Network. Um, I have to say it's one of the more successful uh, uh, tenures for a, for a sports president. Usually you got ebb and flow, but um, for CBS Sports to have not only uh, gotten the NFL, made the SEC on CBS into iconic package. When he lost that, he got the Big Ten to replace it. So... Sean McManus, kudos to him because, uh, and, and you know, a couple of articles he, I wrote, he would come after me. So he was very, <laughs> he, 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 he had a long memory and um, he certainly uh, is someone who defends his people. And uh, I, I have to give him hats off. Um, it's definitely one of the more successful uh, tenures as a head of a, of a department of, of CBS. He leaves the CBS as the chairman of CBS Sports and he leaves it in better off than when he came in. Yeah. Well, another icon at CBS will be uh, hanging it up uh, in April, uh, Vern Lundquist. Uncle Vern, as he's uh, uh-huh. affectionately known, of course, uh, called uh, NFL games, most famously the Fog Bowl between the Eagles and the uh, Chicago Bears in the NFL playoffs in 1988. Uh, of course, the voice of the SEC football on CBS. I, I think I've read where he was reluctant to take that because, I mean, he was losing in the NFL game. He turned out to be an iconic move, and he was well-known for that. And, of course, uh, s- serving on the um, 16th uh, or at the Masters, uh, you know, 16th hole. Uh, of course, and, and Jack Nicholas in, on the 17th hole in 86 with the, when he made that birdie putt, he goes, yes, sir. And then uh, yep. the 16th green uh, with Tiger Woods when he hit that pitch on that 16th green, the ball rolls down the hill and hung on the cup before falling in. And you know, Lundquist goes, uh, in your life, have you seen anything like that? What, what are your rec- recollections about Vern? Oh, where do you, where do I begin? I mean, I, I, I go back. I, my my memory is so good is that, um, I remember his national scene. He was actually the sideline reporter for the North American Soccer League on ABC. And when Jim McKay was the guy who called the games with Paul Gardner. And then from ABC, he went to CBS and he's basically been there nonstop. And, 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 uh, except for the time when CBS lost the NFL and he called Sunday Night Football on TNT. Um, 
there's a guy who has basically called every sport well. Um, he Don't forget, he also did figure skating mm-hmm. for the Olympics on CBS in 92, 94, and 98. Um, I, I, I've interviewed him a few times, Ken, and, and there's a guy who's not only just loves sports, but he's a renaissance guy. He loves the orchestra. He loves classical music. He loves the opera. He takes cruises. Um, my memories of him are always good. I mean, not only that, but there was a long partnership between him, him and Bill Raftery on the NCAA tournament on college basketball games. Um, there's a guy that really should have called uh, some championships down the line, being the guy who called the last game of, of a sport. Never got that opportunity, but uh, still is beloved by just about everybody um, around, whether it's he's called college football, the NFL, um, college basketball, golf. Uh, he's called them all well. He's even called the NBA on TNT for a while, too, uh, yeah. Ken. So, um, yeah, I, 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 my, all my memories of, of Uncle Vern are going to be good, and he's he's going to be missed by just about everybody. And, of course, he was uh, his partner for a time was Terry Bradshaw in the CBS games because yes. they, they did that, like I said, they did the Fog Bowl. And I just I, I had to be exasperating for Vern. Just even on the monitors, you couldn't even see what was going on and on that day and that was just i mean that's for them to do that game was just incredible you know what they had to go through just to do it is remarkable the job they did oh absolutely i mean i just recently saw on youtube uh the nfl uh film special on that and uh him and uh him and terry trying to call those games right in the middle of that fog that all of a sudden dissipated like 30 minutes after the game yeah, finished. Yeah, figures. That was really funny. I, it was really <laughs> funny to see. And just his his recollections of that were just, just wonderful to hear. And, uh, you know, I, I know CBS has already done a documentary on him, but um, I'd love to see another documentary uh, on his recollections. of. You could do like uh, uh, like The Last Dance, Ken. You could have a 10-part documentary yeah. on Ken, on Vern Lundquist, and it still wouldn't be a lot. I hope they at at Augusta they named the 16th tower after him, the Vernon Lundquist Tower. I that think that'd be great. Yeah, I think that, uh, if the, if anybody of the Masters is listening, I know they're not, but <laughs> I, I think that'd be a great idea. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, name a whole bunch of uh, press boxes in the SEC after Uncle Vern because uh, you know uh, without Uncle Vern, the, I, I don't. I mean, of course, uh, you know the SEC, you know. Ha- had a life of its own, but uh, without Uncle Vern getting excited over a bunch of those games, whether it was the Hail Mary, the whether it was like um, the kick six, the, the prayer, at, the yeah, the, the prayer at Jordan Hare, uh, the Tennessee games, um, of course the Tim Tebow games, um, he was the voice of them all, and so yeah. I, I would love to see that uh, him get honored uh, at the SEC uh, at some of those press boxes down there too. Yeah. Well, Ken, uh, where can people follow you on uh, social media? I'm not going to say Twitter because I keep saying Twitter. I know it's not Twitter anymore. Well, you know, I, I, it, yeah, we'll say Twitter. I mean, yeah. it's X slash Twitter. It's Fangs Bites, F-A-N-G-S-B-I-T-E-S. I'm also on threads at the same handle. And also now that um, Blue Sky is opened up, I'm also Fangs Bites there and on Instagram as well, where I post pictures of food and formerly Samson, but uh, you know, anytime you want to, anytime you want to find me, it's always at Banks Bites. Well, I appreciate it, Ken. Always a pleasure talking to you, uh, sports media with you, and uh, good luck. We'll talk some talk down the road, especially if any other major news comes out. 
Absolutely, 100%. All right, that's Ken Fang of Awful Announcing. Coming up, we'll be talking Union College men's and women's hockey. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Andrew Waite. He's a dedicated journalist with a passion for research and a commitment to getting all sides of the story. Whether it's a local issue or an upstate trend, I do the stories and interviews that shed light on what's important to you. Stay informed. Read Andrew Waite in the Daily Gazette. It's my job to offer commentary about what's happening in our community and what it means to our readers. The Gazette, reporting based on accuracy and integrity. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Princeton's Mets Hockey Head Coach Ron Fogarty. You're listening to Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast, and uh, now's our time to uh, preview the Union Men's and Women's Hockey uh, Weekend. Uh, let's start with the men. Uh, they'll be wrapping up the uh, Mesa Ring portion of the regular season schedule this weekend with games against Harvard on Friday at 7 and uh, against Dartmouth at 4 p.m. on Saturday. So we mentioned at the top of the uh, broadcast, um, the 2014 National Championship team will be honored at Friday's game. I don't have an idea yet who's coming. Uh, hopefully we'll have more of a clarification um, before Friday. I, you know, I'm hoping to hear who's going to be. I know who's not going to be there. I know Shane Goss is buried because he's playing the, in Detroit, and Matt Bode and Daniel Champini both playing in Europe, so I know they won't be there. There is a planned uh, celebration in July um, they'll have a golf outing and uh, go to the uh, Saratoga race course uh, as part of that celebration weekend. Um, so, of course, because seniors will be on on Saturday and uh, on Tuesday, the six seniors uh, were at the uh, uh, media availability. Uh, ben Tupper, who has, you know, has played his second season at Union after transferring from Cornell. And then uh, Chaz Smedrew, Nathan Kelly, Liam Robertson, Billy Emanen, and Tyler Watkins. Of course, uh, all six players did not see action in 2020-21 because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so they, and then, of course, the five of those seniors um, were yeah, not only had to deal with the pandemic, and then they come back to play in 2021-22. And then there was a coaching change with Rick Bennett's resignation in late January, John Ronan becoming the interim head coach, and then uh, in April, Josh Halji was named the head coach. So there's a lot of uh, moving parts there with this team, but uh, they stuck it out. And uh, you heard Josh Halji talk about them uh, on Wednesday's podcast. So let's hear for what the players had to say on Tuesday at the media availability. Well, guys, this is your uh, last home weekend of the regular season for seniors. Uh, what's it going to be like there? Yeah, I'll start with Ben. Um, yeah, I think that uh, senior weekends and senior nights are always um, special. I think that like when the game's going on, you're not necessarily focusing on it, but um, afterwards, the ceremony is always a little uh, emotional there with the families and all the guys. So, yeah, I think it's something that um, over the course of everyone's career, they look forward to. For five of you guys, you went have gone through a lot here, uh, here at Union. You didn't play freshman year because of the COVID um, pandemic. Uh, you went through a coaching change during your uh, sophomore year and a coaching change after the season. What, starting with you, what has it been like being here all those four years and you know, going through all those 
and how did you grow guys grow from that? Yeah, uh, actually, me and Robbie have been here for five years. Five so years, wow. yeah, we were here in 1920. So it's been a long journey, and we've all grown a lot from it, especially through COVID. Uh, it's been fun. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think uh, stuff like that, going through a little bit of adversity at times, like brings you closer to, to the guys in your class and um, just the team as a whole. So I feel like uh, we got a pretty pretty tight-knit class and just team as a whole. So I think that can be credited to that. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that you learn to lean on each other a little bit and you can go to, you know, each other for advice and stuff. And I think it just, you know, builds, builds um how close you are as a group, just like what is that? Really? Uh, yeah, echoing these two guys, like, uh, especially for me, uh, going through a coaching change for the first time in my career, and uh, like COVID was obviously the first thing for all of us, but uh, definitely adversity, like getting really close to these guys. William? Yeah, I mean, especially having a guy here for with me as well for five years, and then adding on another four of them as well. I mean, they're my best friends now, and I, I wouldn't have gone through it without them, and I'm just happy that I was able to do it with them as well. Was there any consideration during that COVID year moving on from somewhere? I mean, obviously the Ivies weren't playing. There's, was there any thought maybe tr transferring somewhere else? No. Not not no, not at all. I just, this is the place I committed to. This is the place I wanted to be and where I wanted to stay, and I wanted to play here and graduate from here, and uh, it never even crossed my mind. This is where I wanted to be the whole time. Uh, just for you guys as well, just in your where you are in the standings right now, we can just go to, back down the line, I guess. Just how important is it for you guys to try to get wins this weekend so you can potentially play again here in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, every weekend we're we're looking to get two wins, and that's the that's the idea we're we're working towards each week, and uh, especially these next two games coming up uh, with how tight the standings are right in the middle where we are. I think two wins is the, the most important thing that's on our mind right now, even though we have all this in the, the background right now. I think two wins is the most important thing. Same thing. Um, yeah, like we've seen uh, how big of uh, advantage home ice is in this league. Uh, it's definitely, we want to we get that home ice and uh, it starts with the six points this week. Yeah, I think it makes it fun, you know. It's a dogfight right now and it's super competitive and points are tight and it's just, you know, with senior week and that is a combination it's just more exciting to play in front of and those points are something we're obviously striving for um yeah i think that uh you know it's a little extra incentive in terms of having home ice whether it be in the first or the second round so um yeah that's obviously in the back of our head and something that uh, we're all thinking about this time of the year yeah i think tups touched on it earlier i feel like the senior weekend and stuff is in the back of our mind but uh without a doubt the the points on the line this weekend are what are most important to us. Yeah, points are super hard to come by at this time of year, and we're worried about the games, and then Saturday night after we'll think about that. Uh, coach was saying he took down the standings board inside the, the locker room. I mean, was that, was, were you guys maybe worrying too much about where you guys were in the standings? I think it just came down to we have four games left, and we have to think about each game one by one, have importance on it while we go. Uh, ben, you know, the last time you had a, a one-point weekend was here with the Brown uh, Yale weekend. Then you guys bounced back the next week, got five points. Is that what is? Are you going to have that same kind of effort that you had against Clarkson St. Lawrence uh, this weekend against Harvard and uh, Dartmouth? 
Yeah, I think that uh, this past weekend obviously wasn't um, what we wanted in terms of the, the points that we collected, but at the same time, I think there are a ton of positives. So um, I think as a group, we have you know a lot more to give on the ice, and I think that we are going to you know showcase that this weekend that um, we're kind of a team to be reckoned with heading into playoffs. So um, like you said, after our last uh, one-point weekend, we bounced back well, so um, we all expect the same from the group this weekend. And these are teams that you did beat earlier in the season on the road. I mean, Brandon Dartmouth didn't have Cooper Black and goal that night, but you guys still won that game. And you rallied to get to overtime against Harvard and won that game. Uh, what, do you, what, what did you take from those games, and what do you have to do again this time to them? Uh, I think that Dartmouth is like an extremely structured, hardworking team, and Harvard, you know, as per usual during my time here, is um, they're really skilled. So um, I think we know what to expect from both those teams, but um, it's more just focusing on ourselves and executing the game plan that uh, we have in place. Yeah, Ben, don't want to ignore your situation. I mean, you missed uh, that COVID season at Cornell, then you transferred here to Union. Uh, looking back on that, I mean, are you happy with the decision you made to come here? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, this program is uh, full of a lot of special people, and I was super fortunate to uh, kind of be taken in by um, these five guys in this class. So um, I'm super appreciative of, you know, the staff and, and the guys in terms of making that transition really easy. And, yeah, I'm, I'm super uh, happy with where we're at as a team. I think that um, it's a really exciting time of the year, and we have the chance to do some pretty, uh, pretty great things here moving forward. Uh, for everybody, if you can sum up maybe in a few words your time here at Union starting with Chaz. Uh, it's hard to sum up in a few words, but it's been awesome, uh, especially here at Mesa with the fans. It's been great. Tyler? Yeah, I would just say special. If it had to be in one word, based whether it's playing here, being on the road with the teammates, just kind of the guys in general, the staff, uh, I feel like everyone has made my time here pretty special. Ben? Yeah, I, I think it is uh, difficult to, you know, say pretty briefly, but it has gone by um, super quick. And like I said, I think that the things that, you know, I'll remember the most are just um, the memories with the guys, whether it be on or off the ice. Um, I think we have a really special group this year, so there's a ton of uh, ton of those memories I'll be missed for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, our group preaches trust in the process, and that's definitely one thing that we've learned to do, uh, overcoming adversity like we talked about earlier and just, like, building the group around you. I think that's... Uh, Spoken volumes to where we've we've gone as a group and how close we've become. Billy, uh, I'm gonna say the same thing as what he said. Like it's been special. Like a lot of uh, it's not a high number of guys from Europe who get to do this for four years. So uh, I've been very fortunate. Uh, very thankful for it. I'll give you a life changing, I guess, because especially being from Canada, I didn't really know much about college hockey, especially in the U.S. We were really exposed to that. And getting the chance to be here, it's really changed my life and. Uh, I wouldn't change any of it for, uh, for anything else. Now let's talk about the uh, Union women's team. As I mentioned, this is their first trip to the ECAC hockey tournament. Uh, first round single elimination game. They'll take on a six-seeded Yale at 3 p.m. Saturday at Ingalls uh, Rink in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, Union not going into the postseason on a, a good note. Uh, after the uh, upset Penn State, Back in January, nationally ranked Penn State, they proceeded to lose the next 12 games, and they really put themselves in a bad position. They had a chance. They were in contention for home ice. Uh, you were only half point behind Brown for that eighth and final spot for uh, first round home ice in the ECAC hockey tournament. But uh, the 12-game losing streak ended up costing them not only ninth place, but they ended up finishing 11th. Uh, they, you know, they had some bad losses along the way, losing to teams like Dartmouth and Harvard, 
were not as good, not that good, and a loss to them. Both those games were at home, so that, that even makes it worse. And in some of the games the Union's played, and they've scored the first goal, but have not been able to win the games. So what's in store for uh, Union on Saturday at Yale? I, I have my predictions uh, on the uh, all four games uh, in my uh, opening face-off column, which will appear on dailygazette.com. Uh, sometime on Thursday, and of course it'll be in the print edition on Friday. So let's hear from the Union women's head coach Josh Skiba and players Emily King, Meredith Killian, and Sophie Matsukas. Well, guys, uh, first time you can say you're uh, playing the uh, DCAC hockey tournament. Josh, what's the excitement level like for this? Uh, I mean, this is what we've been waiting for all year, right? We, we want to play in the postseason, I think. Um, really special moment for the program to, to have the first playoff experience, and I think you know the 20-plus Division One year. So um, I think we're looking forward to it, and I know the group's excited as well. Emily, yeah, I'm just excited to have the season go longer than it normally does after all these years, and I think that it's it'll be an exciting extra weekend, if not more weekends, hopefully more weekends. Yeah, I think everybody's excited. It's not just be able to go to playoffs, but try and make a run in it and see how far we can go and hopefully catch some people by surprise. Yeah, Sophie, I was important. I mean, you guys aren't really going into the best of ways here. You know, 12-game losers are heading in, but so, you know, know, upset against Yelp, we can turn things around. I mean, how important is it to uh, this game on Saturday? Um, I think it would be huge to upset them. I think that we are in a 12-game losing streak, but we've been playing very well and, like, moving towards, like, great things, so I don't think that it's a bad, like obviously it's bad 12 game losing streak, but it's not a bad one because we've seen a lot of growth. So I think that like grabbing that into this game and um, bringing us to the upset will be huge. Just what have you guys gathered from your past matchups with Yale and what kind of challenges they present? We'll start, we'll start with you, Josh. Um, well, we've had, uh, we've had two, I think, close games. I mean, we had a, a game here, 4 nothing. I mean, they scored two empty net goals. Um, you know, we had moments where I think we could execute a little bit better, and we just we got to find ways to score. Um, when we played there, uh, I thought we were right there, obviously neck and neck, all the way to the finish. And they score a face-off goal in overtime, um, competed well against them. I think there's certain areas that we want to continue to expose offensively. Um, but I like our matchup. I, I'm confident in this group's work ethic. I think they compete extremely hard. I think that's become part of the fabric of this team. Uh, we've been doing a lot better on face-offs. I think we're creating a lot on offensive zone face-offs. And uh, we're learning how to continue to, to find ways to exit our zone much better. So um, if you watch the games recently, I think we've had a lot of chances offensively, and we've got to find ways to, to convert. But um, I, believe, I believe in this group. I think we'll be ready to come playoff time on Saturday. Same question you guys. Who wants to answer? Um, I think that the first time we played Yale, I feel like we outplayed them. Um, and I think that the second time it wasn't as good of a game as the first one, but I think that Yale is definitely a team that we can – um, easily upset, and I know that not just our team believes it, but I think that a lot of other people outside of this program believe that too. Yeah, I think um, going into this weekend, just channeling our past couple weekends and growing on what we've been doing, like Soph was saying, is really important. We've been doing a lot better with getting pucks north and breaking out and playing with speed, and I think that's really been helping us, so that'll be good. Where's the confidence level at with this team at Sophie right now? I think, like I was saying earlier, we've grown a lot in the past couple games, even though we are not getting the results we want. We've seen that we can compete against Colgate and Cornell, and we almost upset Colgate. We were right there. And I think that that boosts our confidence a lot and helps everyone believe that, like, 
we are right there. We can. We scored two goals against them and brought it back to a really close game, and I think that that just boosts our confidence, yeah. Josh, there's been some games that in, during this losing streak where you've scored the first goal but not haven't able to build on that. What? Why is that? What do you have to do if you do that against Seattle on Saturday? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to score goals in our league. It's it's hard to play against top opponents, right? I think the, the margin for error is very small, and um, we've got to find ways to, to be more consistent in different moments, right? But um, again, if you watch if you watch the games, I think we've gotten a lot better through this stretch in different areas. Um, I think the goals we're giving up, um, other teams are, are having to beat us. They're executing in those moments, um, and it's not from our lack of competitiveness. It's not from our lack of work ethic. So, um, yeah, our goal we want to score first. I think that's challenging. I think that's something that's always a goal for us. It's always better to play with the lead. Uh, but I give our group a lot of credit. We've worked extremely hard, and uh, I think come playoff time, I mean, these guys have scratched and clawed to get to this point throughout their entire careers. Um, you know, the re- what would happen in the regular season, the last 12 games, really doesn't matter, and really it's about this one game set on Saturday. Emily, how important is it for you guys to go in there, relax? And you know, This EL team's been there before in the postseason. You guys haven't. So how important is it for you guys to go in there, just you know, relax and not worry about uh, you know, the pressures and all that? Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily important to be relaxed because I'd say it's do or die time. I feel like we need to go in extra hungry just like with the confidence that we know we have. And I think that like we need to find ways to take the puck to the net more and score. And so I would say I wouldn't really want us to be that relaxed. I'd want us to be like very fired up and have a little bit extra hunger in us so that we can like score more than one goal a game and um, win in all those like battles all around the ice and just yeah be like extra hungry. Yeah, I, I guess I used the wrong word. Probably should maybe not be nervous going. Oh yeah. I, 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 relax. I think nerves are good though. Yeah. A little bit of a little bit of excited nerves because it makes people play faster. Nerves. Yeah, I think the nerves are fine. It's how you channel them. We've talked about that in the past in big games like Mayor's Cup, where you have a bigger audience, it's a bigger stage and. Just making sure like those jitters are being channeled in the right way, and you're using them to be excited, like Kinger was saying, and not necessarily worrying about you're going to mess up this pass or whatever it's going to be. You're going to use it in a good way. Thanks, guys. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the week one winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. competing at the highest level. A league where champions are born and world-class professionals are trained. Where history is abundant and a commitment to the cutting edge is unrivaled. The best facilities, the fiercest competition. ECAC Hockey. There's no experience like it. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The week one winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Richard Bellinger of Johnstown with 55 points. 
Richard wins a $50 gift card. Congratulations, Richard. The VIP winners were Scott Lucier of Capital Land GNC and me. We each had five points. <laughs> Not that good at all. Uh, I'll announce the Auto Racing Contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Saturday's Daily Gazette. Remember, remember that's a change from last year when it was on Friday. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. Just because COVID-19 mandates are easing, that does not mean you should relax. Be vigilant. If you haven't gotten vaccinated or received a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Ken Fang, Ben Tupker, Chad Smedrud, Liam Robertson, Nathan Kelly, Tyler Watkins, Billy Eminen, Josh Skiba, Meredith Killian, and Emily King for being on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on X and threads at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.